Welcome to the Money Talks for Beginners podcast. My name is Frankie Hill, a money nerd. Each week, you'll hear me talk about different ways to use money more effectively in your daily life to become a smarter finance person. Thanks for spending your time with me today. Now, let's talk about money. Welcome back to the 14th episode of Money Talks for Beginners. Today, we are going to talk about what are traders and what are investors, and what are the key differences between traders and investors. Of course, uh, we all know there are major differences between traders and investors, so we're going to talk about what are the different strategies that both traders and investors use, use uh, the rules that they follow, the time horizons for their investments uh, or their securities that they hold, and uh, other stuff too. Of course, I'm also going to going to tell you my experience when I was trying to be a, a trader probably a couple of years ago um, before I got engaged and bought a place with my fiance. And now I'm trying to be an investor for long term because it makes more sense for me. I'm going to tell you my experience for that too. So first of all, let us start talking about what are traders and what are they mostly into. Traders are like wholesalers or retailers where they buy and then they sell the products to make a profit, either by buying the products uh, right away and then selling it out themselves later on to make a profit, or the traders can borrow the product at a certain price from someone, then sell it to another person or a business, and then buy back the same amount later on to give back to the person they originally borrowed the products from. This strategy is called short selling where they borrow, uh, hopefully they profit the money in between the difference uh, while the price drops. And just in case you guys are a bit slow when, when I'm referring to products, it means securities or for the traders, it could be stocks, commodities, options, forex, and nowadays even uh, cryptocurrencies are, are things that are, well, I guess, considered securities um, that traders will either outright buy it or they'll short sell it. Uh, short selling, it usually, in my opinion, it's a bit harder to make money on because overall, in the long term wise, most securities, as long as the company makes sense, it's more tends to be more profitable, but traders have their ways of doing it. Traders um, will usually look at a shorter time horizon, um, maybe like less than one year usually. They might look at a daily, um, weekly, quarterly, uh, monthly, rarely goes to yearly. And so it's timing is very important for most traders and time is usually the enemy of, of a trader because the shorter the time period, the harder it is to trade, especially if you're a day trader, you, uh, you're trying to make money every day. So as you know, each hour goes by and you haven't made money or you lost money, it's going against you, right? So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But of course, uh, there's also a lot of trader out there that makes a lot of money too, of course. So traders don't really concern themselves too much about the valuations, the type of business, or how does a business actually make money because they're there for the short term. Uh, however, there are traders that will consider, consider the macroeconomics like what is the current news, industry and global trends, inflation, interest rates, and unemployment rate for a country to help them determine what or when is a good time to buy the security, buy and sell the security. Uh, for example, foreign exchange. For example, a foreign exchange trader might decide to buy more U.S. dollars against the Chinese yuan when the u.s president at the time donald trump decided to impose tariffs or more tariffs on china making the trade more worse causing both u.s dollars and the chinese yuan currency 
external because there's internal Chinese yen too, but, but that's a different story, to go down. But overall, the US dollars would most likely recover faster in comparison to Chinese yen because at that time, the US economy has a super low unemployment rate, strong economic uh, data, lots of money moving around in, in US dollars. And because uh, Trump also uh, at that time decided to cut the corporation rate, um, tax rate, then a lot of money also uh, inflow it back into the US economy, which helped the US economy improve the economically. So uh, compared to the Chinese uh, economy at that time, with uh, they have their own issues, obviously the low US dollars reserve, there's a lot of uh, capital outflows, and they have a bit more high uh, unemployment rate compared to US dollars, or sorry, the US economy, which is why the US dollars come in comparing to the Chinese yen would recover faster. So some Forex traders or foreign exchange traders might be like, okay, since this news came out, I am going to buy more US dollars um, against the Chinese yen, hoping, hoping that it will recover faster, that they may take that as a signal. So of course they will consider the macro macroeconomics of it. But a lot of uh, traders usually, usually just rely on chart reading. So typically most traders are much better at reading uh, charts than most typical investors because that's their job. They need to make sure time is on their side as much as possible or try to give themselves as much time as possible to have a competitive edge against other traders that are, are trying to make money obviously at the same time, right? Um, so of course, the macroeconomics is not the main thing, the, but Forex traders may tend to look at it a bit more. As for uh, the two most common traders, the stock and option traders, they will still look at the macroeconomics area that will affect the stock and the options, but not as much as the for, uh, for Forex traders. Most traders um, can value a company, but they don't, they're not necessarily good at it or even really care about it because most traders only care about the security price uh, in order to buy and sell to make a quick profit as quickly as possible because they're all only really holding that security for a very short period of time. So they don't really care about the valuation or what's the fair value or the potential market value of the security because they're not looking for to hold it for a long term. They're just thinking of maybe holding it for like a day or you know a week, depending on what type of traders they are. Um, but there are really four main types of traders out there. There is the day traders, which is of course very uh, the most popular or the most well-known one, where the day trader essentially buy and sell securities uh, on a daily basis to make money. Swing traders, uh, swing traders is pretty much from one position to another uh, from maybe from one trend to another trend uh, on a short time period, usually on a weekly or a monthly basis, sometimes even daily, depending on how fast the swing is. It could be like, oh, I want to short. So you're going from the stock going uh, from bullish to bearish, and then that's one swing. And then when that's done, they might attempt to go from the low again back to the high. So that's a bullish swing again. So then you know, depending on whenever that happens, they they might be changing position um, more often or less often, depending on how fast the trend changed on the chart. Well, mostly short-term charts, but yeah. Uh, there's the position traders and there's the scalp scrape or scalp traders. 
The hardest one I think is probably the scalp traders because they're the ones that literally try to make like very small amount of money uh, every minute per, uh, and then they just keep, you know, they have a lot of trading value. And in my opinion, the more trading transaction you have, the more likelihood or more probability of you making mistakes and mistakes in the trade in the investment world means make losing money and so that's why i think the scalp traders is probably the hardest one to do uh, followed by day traders and then the swing traders and position traders tend to be a bit uh, more lenient on you because they have a bit more um, longer time horizon well as a trader longer time horizons means maybe just on a monthly or quarterly basis that's the longest will probably i think most traders would you know consider doing um day traders of course is on a daily basis we are going to of course talk more about the different types of traders later on um just to give you um just right now just giving you some ideas what are the four main types of traders that are out there uh, most traders as i mentioned before just focus on the technical aspect or the technical analysis of a security um, so of course the hardest part um, of becoming a trader when I was trying to be a, a trader in my experience is the emotional stress that comes with it and the impatience that comes with it because for, um, for me at that time was when a signal or some sort of position that doesn't come for a while but you want to try to make money um, once in a while I might try to attempt to kind of just force entry or force my way to buy that security for example I might be like I use like a MACD and I use uh, RSI and I use of course the moving average on a daily chart or at most a weekly chart looking at a position to come up but the whole time it might not reach the, the signals I want and because I you know obviously you want to make money as quick as possible I might enter the security or most for me is most of the times the stocks or options earlier than I want and of course earlier means your risk to return ratio might not be as good uh, for example if I want to actually enter the perfect position I want to make an in, a return of for every dollar at risk I might want to have a potential return of four to five dollars but because I was I was impatient or because I was I tried to be greedy or try to make money as quickly as possible I enter the trade earlier so now my profit to risk ratio might be like oh instead of potentially making five to one or one for five dollars I'm pretty much risking for every one dollar I'm getting back only three dollars and that might not seem like a big deal at the current moment because it's like oh that's not that that bad um, because you're it seems like you're still making um, three times whatever you're trading but you have to also understand is that a lot of times in trading it's really hard to win every hundred percent of the time I'm pretty sure all of you guys notice it's really hard to win hundred um, percent and of course that, that that's why you need to have a, a decent um, return to risk ratio because the, that's how you stay alive you usually if you can like win 50% or 60% time you're doing really well already it's just you're just trying to make sure you are on the right side of the ratio or the percentage that you're winning and it essentially just means that if you have a hundred trade and 
60 trade goes your way <clears throat> your you couple of them you have some major wins a couple of them you have some uh, break evens because it didn't the sit the charts or the stock price didn't go your way so you just sell it to break even um you essentially have some small wins and or some small loss that's the best possible outcome but a lot of times because of the emotional stress and the impatience um, that I was going through, I incurred a, a bit, a lot more uh, big losses than I hoped for, and that's of course lead to something called revenge trading, where you lo lose a lot of you're losing money, so you start to you know find ways to essentially enter into trades that are riskier than what are you used to accustomed to, and that causes you to have either two uh, situations that usually happens when you revenge trade is that once in a while you might think oh um, it actually worked and then it went back up a bit and then you're like yes this is a great strategy I'll just, I'll just continue doing it but most of the time um, it revenge trading usually just means you're trading outside of your trading plan and once you're outside a trading plan it, it tends to end up you over time uh, you end up losing more money than you're actually making so an example of it um, when I was day trading at work again um, of course I miss opportunity because I'm trying to day trade when I'm at work so I miss setups and that of course led me to the things I mentioned before being impatient emotionally stressed uh, revenge trading and of course not trading within my trading rules and that caused me to you know not be level-headed and just become more emotional and being a trader requires a lot of emotional control there's probably 80 percent emotional control and only really 20 percent technical skills because a lot of times being a trader is you have to wait for position you have to make sure that you know you enter in the right trade in the right time to give yourself the best possible edge and or the best possibility of winning and so then you can live another day to you know, keep trading if you keep losing money and not keep following your rule you'll be out of the trading game pretty quick so you have to make sure you stay rational and stay level-headed so you can trade properly but you know so if you think about it there's if you uh, wait a minute if you look at reddit there's a lot of people that make a lot of very emotional trades or stupid trades uh, and they made a big they you see them make a lot of money they went from like maybe a hundred thousand to a couple million dollars in a span of a couple months and you'll be like wow i could do that too so you try it uh, but however and however those cases on reddit are by far very rare cases they might be um, very lucky people or just just happened to things went their way so don't try it because there's a lot more people that end up losing money doing that way instead of actually making money um, for example maybe every one person that made it big through emotional trading or through gambling really in a sense if it's if they don't have a proper trading plan um, they there's probably like 10 other people that end up failing by copying or by having the same success as the first person who made it big because they're like they saw a post on the reddit they're like oh this guy made from hundred thousand to a couple millions in a couple months i could do that too it's just a couple of random stupid trades so but most of the time it's might not go the way you want and then you just end up losing all the money that you 
put in there and obviously the people who ends up losing money 90% of the time they're not gonna post they lost like pretty much all their entire life savings right a lot of people are embarrassed about that and that's rightfully so you being embarrassed for making those kind of mistakes it's, it's normal and of course we all learn from it and we just all try to grow from it we're all just human we just try to learn from it and try to keep going from there um as and of course uh, as a trader a lot of, a lot of them also understands or i also understand later on the more and more you trade statistics stats wise the more likely or the higher your chance of losing money increases especially if you don't have a trading plan um like me at a time where i have a trading plan i just ignored the trading plan so i'd end up losing more money than what i hoped for because i got impatient um so if you want to you can try the the reddit way where you just gamble and just go into some rant uh, trade is like maybe like a a forward option where the option expires the next day and you hopefully that something happens something like happens and you make a lot of money from that I, of course then you can post it on reddit too and then you know everyone be like oh let me try that too and then you know nine out nine out of ten times most of them actually ends up losing a lot of money or losing all the money that they invest into it there's also a lot of uh, reddit posts about the fail cases where but now most people obviously don't really read the fail cases right most people only read the said you know the ones that made a bit because that's what we're all trying to do so as a trader and as some of the rules that i wish i would have done better and follow more closely are first of all don't get emotional keep your emotion in check in check as i mentioned um before trade trading is 80 percent uh emotional control and 20 percent technical skills once you find one particular or one or two particular strategy that works really well for you stick to it and stick to the trading plan uh, for yourself so don't get emotional just make sure that you are following your trading plan be patient keep practicing and hopefully that in the long run you you will have a competitive edge for yourself as a trader and you will have a decent risk to return ratios and um pretty much a good winning percentage so uh next one i want to talk about is and i wish i understand what kind of traders or type of trader i am more before i started trading by looking at my uh, account size the personality what type of personality i have um what type of risk tolerance um am i willing to tolerate my trading experience and how much time i want to dedicate to trading and did i mention a lot emotional control and patience um that part really screwed me over pretty hard um but of course i, I learned from that and um try to be as patient or emotionally you know more better or better at controlling my emotion as possible even though once in a while it's you know it still doesn't happen but i try to um do as best as i could uh the next uh well, let me elaborate more i guess on that point so at first i tried to do day trading which is actually really hard because i'm at work so i went from day trading to um pretty much a swing trading uh or swing trader and that allowed me to have a bit more time and actually helped me to um evaluate my risk level better and because it gives me more time to think about when to enter and when to exit uh, my trades so that actually helped me quite a lot so i understand i'm more of a strength a swing trader instead of a day trader and another thing if you're just starting off um, 
you might want to consider practicing with paper money first. So pretty much you go to some broker and they have something called like a virtual accounts where you don't you're they give you money to practice with. They're not they're not really actual money, but it just allows you to practice and to get into the rhythm of how to trade for yourself and to understand yourself better to um, pretty much understand what are the stuff we just mentioned before as a trader. Uh, and of course, when you make money, when you're paper trading, um, it sucks because they're not actual money that you're making, but you need the practice before you go in uh, because you have to understand what um, you are trying to do. And hopefully you understand uh, every type of skills or type of job or career you're trying to make, you are going to make mistakes and mistakes in this game means losing money. And the more money you lose, the more likely you're trying to win it back. That's just how human nature is or gambler's mentality is like. So you have to try to get that out of your system that every time it goes down, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, try to revenge trade or try to make it back as quick as possible. It could be a great learning curve too. Um, another thing I want to talk about is you have to understand that you're not going to win them all. As I mentioned before, most of the time, if you have a winning rate of 50 to 60%, you already did, you, you're doing better than 80% of traders out there already, because especially most traders are novice traders because they notice that a lot of traders can make a lot of money. So they try, but they usually end up quitting after two years. Usually most people end up quitting. And one of the other things I want to talk about, um, if you have a losing trade, don't hold onto it uh, because there's a, there's a chance you might cause yourself to lose even more money, which is something most of us have done before, even uh, as a trader or investor, because, well, who wants to keep, who, who wants to sell something and actually uh, realize the loss or actually accept that you, you enter into a trade that goes that you didn't make money on. No one really wants to do that. And opposite is also true. So where you sell your winning trades sooner than it, it is, so you cut sh your shorting or you're selling your winners too quick and you're keeping your losers too long. Um, as I mentioned, if you have a winning rate of 60 or 70% um, of the time, you are going to be one wealthy man or a woman. Uh, stick to your charts and stick to your trading plan and to see that what you see uh, not what you want to see is very important so for example is i might enter a trade and I, I might be like oh this based on this chart it will go up a lot but in reality if you look at the, all the information it is actually going to go down really soon but because our mind lets us believe what we want to believe so you might think oh it, it should go up because that's what you want but when you're actually in reality if you ask someone else to read the tr same chart that you're looking at you might actually they might see actually the stock price if they're unbiased because they don't have any uh, monetary um, investment into it it's actually supposed to go down soon but because you want to see it as a as going up because you want to make money on it then of course you go stick to your investment but then actually in the long run uh, in the short run sorry the trade is supposed to go down so make sure you have the emotional control to realize that the trade is actually or the security is doing what or 
is supposed to do or the market is the one actually determining what the security is going to do not what you want it to do that is one very important uh, distinction that I uh, realized later on I was at that time um, thinking of what I want to see only but not what in reality what is actually happening um, that's one important distinction so this might be very obvious but I'm going to say it anyway use the right chart don't use an investor's chart to um, read a trader's chart so a trader's chart usually it's like a daily chart a weekly monthly and at most a quarterly chart don't use a year uh, annual chart if you're trying to uh, trade or become a trader it makes absolutely no sense because you're not going to hold it that long use the chart that you're planning to buy and sell the security so for example if you're an investor you might be using a five-year chart uh, because you're planning to hold it for five years. If you're a day trader, you might you're most likely going to be using a daily chart because you're just buying and selling on a daily basis because you're a day trader. If you're a swing trader, maybe you're using a weekly chart. But don't use the wrong chart because that will give you different information and that will affect your buying and selling and your, your decision making. And lastly, know how much you're willing to risk and how much potential you're I guess you're uh, looking at understand that um, the risk and return ratio is very important and you know trade to your risk level and depending on your trading risk do you think about is it worth it to do so just to also on a side note just to let you guys know um, most people around 80 to 90 percent of people lose money trading especially new traders within the first two to three years. So most people that you know posted on Reddit are usually, just, as I mentioned before, mostly just extremely lucky or hopefully they're smart, but most of the time it seems like so far are more lucky than um, smart um, because most people can't really overcome the emotional toll that both you and I will have um, to dedicate more time to understand how to trade better and the other thing is because being a trader, making mistakes and or starting a new career, making mistakes, it's normal. But in the investment world, making mistakes means losing money. Um, and there's only so much money you can lose until you feel frustrated and emotionally um, distressed about it. And compared to you working your normal day job, a nine to five a regular job, you're still gonna get paid regardless if you make mistakes or not. Obviously you wanna make less mistakes, but if it does not gonna cost you money because essentially as long as you're not fired or you're not the worst performing employee of that company, you're still gonna be making money from it. But you're, it's not gonna cost you money though. But as a trader or in, investor in the investment world, mistakes most of the time means losing money and losing money sucks. Uh, so that concludes so what I want to talk about as a trader. Now I'm going to talk about what is an investor. Investors are unlike traders. Uh, investors tend to focus more on the long-term time horizon for their investments. So most investors will probably buy some certain stocks which represent a company or ETFs, exchange traded funds, and they might hold it for a couple of years or sometimes even decades without changing positions. Investors tend to have very little security turnovers, or they don't really buy and sell a lot. Uh, instead, investors focus on the quality of the investments or securities they are making to try to maximize the potential future return 
and they mainly use more use the fun technical analysis more just for determining entry points for them to uh, enter into a position instead of uh, or enter, uh, exiting a position if they think that the security or most likely the stock and the company that, that the stock represent is no longer um, makes sense for them to hold then of course they want to also determine when's an exit point or exit entry for themselves to exit that's what mainly most investors use technical analysis for investors um, usually actually have to have a proper assets allocation what is a, what is a assets allocation assets allocation is just a fancy way of saying make sure you don't put all your um, all your money into one basket for example um, you might have a hundred percent of something and it's better to put into 40 percent to stocks 40 percent into real estate 10 percent into gold slash cryptocurrencies and 10 percent into alternative investments um, that is what is called an assets allocation you allocate your money into different type of assets class so stocks in assets class real estate is an assets class uh, gold cryptocurrency is a different type of assets class and alternative investments of course is another type of assets class um, of course there's also bonds but i'm not too big of a fan of bonds at the current moment current moment especially after QE, uh, quantitative easing, that's been going on since 2008. Um, the value of bonds price has increased, but because the yield is so low, there's no point for me to hold it anymore. And um, this is, I just don't understand or nor really care too much about um, owning bonds, to be honest. Um, if I'm going to own bonds, I'd rather own um, cryptocurrency at the moment or even just buy real estate or REITs instead, um, which is probably another topic to talk about what is the difference between real estate and REITs later on too. So investors really need a proper asset allocation because they are focused on a long time horizon, on the long term in, um, returns of their investments. They have to make sure they can achieve a certain balance in terms of the amount of risk they're taking and the amount of potential return they can make in the long run. So which is something that a lot of um, people need to think about is for the overall portfolio, after you allocate um, your assets into different things, you want to think uh, what is a proper uh, diversification or proper asset allocation that you should have for yourself as an investor. If you have 100% into stocks or 100% to real estates, what is what are you trading off? What is the pro and cons for doing that? For example, for myself at the current moment, I have, I guess, a real estate because I own a, a condo and of, I also own stocks. So those two are pretty much my asset class. And obviously it would be close to more like because real estate price is a lot more than my investment or stock portfolio. And of course it would be like, I'm probably still leaning more towards real estate at the current moment, but later on, uh, I might hopefully when when I start to make more money and I start to have more disposable income I could put more into all the different assets class um, that are out there and then achieve a better and more balanced proper assets allocation and also uh, within each different type of assets class then how would you prefer to diversify which is called diversification so for example if you have 40% to stocks you within that 40% maybe it's like 
$40, I'm just using an example, if it's out of $100, that $40, how are you going to diversify your portfolio with that $40 to make sure within that asset class you are making um, a good financial decision? Like maybe you're willing to trade off some potential returns or potential fast returns by buying something that's more stable like utility stocks um, most REITs are Canadian banks stuff like that that doesn't really have much a lot uh, capital gains involved but they pays a very decent amount of dividends maybe that's something that you can look look into um, and or you could just mainly just buy some ETFs um, that covers pretty much all the different countries in the world or just buy a all the world um, ETF that tracks all the world's well um, stock market return and then gives you an average return on that so you can do that too and that's essentially just by buying that you diversified most of your investments risk um, except the systematic risk which is pretty much investment risk that you are doing and that is probably the most diversified and easiest way to diversify it yourself but if you want to do a bit more work then you can think about doing something like a concentration and concentration is the opposite of diversification maybe you will have a lot of different um, stocks but they're all more focused on some few sectors a lot of people has been doing that for a while like you buy into different the fang stocks which is all mostly in it in tech stocks um, and a lot of different other types of tech stocks out there. So a lot of people have a very strong concentration within the stock assets class in in the tech industry, where they might have 50% or 60% is in tech, and that's a huge concentration into just tech. But then, of course, there's pros and cons for both, but I'm, later on, I'm also going to talk to you about what is the diversification and concentration and the pros and cons for each and which one I would recommend depending on your financial situation. So let's move on from there. Of course, you also have to understand what type of a profile or what type of investor you are. Um, if you are more of an investor in a financial situation where you can't bear to take a lot of risk, so maybe you want to scale back on the risk level and just make more um, predictable returns, maybe buying some more dividend stocks that might not give you the best capital appreciation, but you know for sure you're going to get paid a pretty decent dividend make, just by making sure you're not buying at the highest point as possible. So some of the portfolio type um, out there are high risk, high potential capital returns type of profile somewhat of a mixed um, type of profile where it's not the riskiest but it's not the, um, the I guess it's just in the middle it's sort of have decent returns but not uh, but has a bit of more risk but not really vice versa so a lot of people actually do the mixed style where it's between too aggressive and too conservative it's more of a balanced type so it's something that you can look forward into or it's um, usually a lot of balanced type itself has a, a fair amount of dividends also mixed in there too just to give their dividends a pretty much a base that they know for sure they're gonna make just by having the dividend generate the yields for them and then hopefully they the type of stocks they invest into actually gives them a pretty decent return and on the other spectrum is invest portfolios or investments that are really very very conservative like i'm talking about saving accounts and gic is like what the heck that's not gonna do anything for you in the long run obviously 
It's not life changing at all. It's just sitting there doing nothing. I don't know why people invest in those, but maybe has this, uh, people have the reasons to invest into that. So as I mentioned already, uh, as investors need a proper assets allocation, proper diversification or concentration depending on yourself. And you have to understand what type of profile you are setting up depending on what type of investor you are. So there are two main types of investors out there. The first one are called value investors and growth investors. And both of them obviously have their pros and cons. And there are two different approaches too, uh, which are called active and passive approach, which I'm going to just briefly talk about them for active and passive approach, because I'm going to also talk to you about more about that in the future too. So value investors are pretty much, um, I'm just going to briefly go over it because it's actually very similar to the episode eight, uh, growth versus value stocks on um, on my podcast for money talks for beginners so value stocks or slash value investors tend to look for companies with stock price that they think that they think are below the intrinsic value and intrinsic value is just a uh, fancy way of saying what the investor thinks the stock should be worth um, and if it's below what they think it's worth they'll go buy it um, there's obviously different ways of calculating or evaluating what's intrinsic value the first type is called the cash flow um, model or discounted cash flow model where you by looking at their revenue stream cash flow balance sheet um, pretty much how they use money they generate a certain amount of um, estimation or uh, some sort of prediction of what the value of this company should be worth and then the value investor would determine if it makes sense or not and then buy the company if it's below what they think is worth and of course they'll go sell it if it's uh, above what they think so value investors tend to look for mostly companies with very strong financial statements because they love looking at financial statements like the balance sheet income statements and statements cash flow activities and statements uh, of retained earnings they love looking at that Um, they feel like Make, by looking at the financial statements, the value investors can get can get very good information from that. And to buy companies that have strong revenue streams, stable and predictable profits, loss of assets, not much debts, and it tends to be pretty well-known companies. Uh, so most value investors are tend to be more on the conscious and more on the stable type of uh, investors. And these type of investors usually don't really like to take a lot of risk. Uh, or buy stuff that they think it's like too out of the world kind of feeling. So uh, some even more conservative value investors only even buy super safe stocks with very limited upside, but also very limited downside, like major stable uh, utility companies. Um, Value investors, if it's based on the quantitative uh, approach, because value investors look at the financial statements a lot, so they rely more on the quantitative approach. Um, the value investors tend to look at look for companies with low P2E, P2B uh, ratios, and they tend to look for companies that pay usually dividend yields. The main problem with value investors when value stocks are a lot of these companies are changing very slow or not changing at all. And once a new uh, related industry starts competing with them, uh, it will ultimately, ultimately, unfortunately, affect their bottom line pretty quickly because most value invest, um, investors invest into companies 
that are no longer innovating anymore because they are making very good profit. Um, they don't have, they have a lot of cash. They have a lot of assets. Everything just at the current moment for the company makes a lot of sense for people to invest in, which is what most value investors are looking for based on the quantitative approach. Uh, they look at, sorry, uh, the qualitative, uh, quantitative approach. So, of course, it makes a lot of sense to invest in these, but if any sort of new disruptive industry comes along, think about Tesla. Tesla is definitely a growth stock, but if you're a value investor, you're definitely never buying Tesla because based on the valuation, uh, by reading the financial statements, it makes absolutely no sense. So most investors would just ignore it. The other type of investors are called the growth investors uh, or growth stocks. So the growth investors uh, pretty much look for companies with great growth potential. They might most of these companies might not be profitable yet, but they have good stories and if if it's successful, can disrupt the whole industry and make a lot of money. Think about Tesla. But usually, growth investors may uh, look at more on the. Qual uh, qualitative approach, which is looking at the management team, who's the CEO, who's the visionary, who, um, how is the really master make sure it matches the trend of the industry, and usually they look at those stuff a bit heavier um, because you know if based on the qualitative approach, if that's if there's no financial statement for you to really look at, like the only thing you can really really rely on. Is making sure the management they have is very competent and has a vision of what what is happening in the future. And if they can just get the operations up and running and, and actually succeed, the growth investors can make a lot of money. Which is what happened the last I don't know since 2008. A lot of growth stocks had outperformed the value stocks by a fair very big margin, especially because. Something called Fang stocks. When these Fang stocks came out, they they grew, grew at a very ma massive or very aggressive pace, and it caused a lot of um, va value investors or value stocks to look like they underperformed by a huge margin. And also because a lot of these growth stocks, hence uh, stocks that the growth investors are investing into tends to get most of the media attention because they are usually the new companies with flashy names and uh, they have a great mission they're not there to just provide for day to day um, your daily needs they're there to change the world kind of feeling it's a great story to tell um, it's makes it's a lot more exciting to invest in the growth stocks but of course it's not for the weak of heart well the stock for most of these growth com companies tend to go up and down quite often and can be quite a lot too. So growth investors tend to be viewed as the more risky and more aggressive uh, investor compared to the value investor because the stock they own don't usually pay dividends. They usually have poor financials. Um, a lot of growth companies aren't really even established and don't have a stable revenue stream and are of course are not profitable. Um, but of course uh, for growth investors, they, all they really look for is the having the conviction of is this group of people going to let to achieve what they set out to do uh, if they do it then of course they make a lot of money so that's how growth investors um, are looking for however not everyone is pretty much a pure 
value or pure growth investors nowadays. A lot of people do a mix of both, um, depending on the circumstance, financial circumstances, and um, other things, of course, too. So, because there are pros and cons for both type of investors, value investors can provide a lot of stability to,、um, by you know. For people that need wants some sort of security or some sort of feeling that they that they feel their money can be secure, growth investors、um, can help you, you know, change、um, your life a lot if you invest into the correct、uh, stock or correct company. So a lot of people are willing to pretty much gamble、uh, their money to see if they can. Make a lot more money than just by investing to these growth type of stocks, because it's a lot more exciting. And if if it works out for the, for the investors, the investor can make a lot of money, and it will change their own world too. So、uh, value invest investments or value stocks who, who can't allow you to do that, which is why a lot of people went into growth investment because they noticed that their salary is too low. Uh, after paying taxes, they have no money left, so they have to find ways to try to make money as quickly and as much as possible because everything is getting expensive. So a lot of people later on went into、um, growth investing because it makes more sense. And in this current age, when you know with all the QE and the low interest rate,、um, money is cheap. Money is not worth a lot of money compared to before. Um, so more and more people are more abandoning the value investment style and more towards the growth investment style. But that's just you know what's happening in the last couple of years. It might change in the future, but this is I'm just telling you what's happening at the current moment.、Um, so let me get back to what is being an investor、uh, is like. Being an investor, you need to have the patience and you have to think long term, especially when your company are not doing well. Have the conviction to tank it through. To see through what you saw in the beginning, write down a piece of paper if you need to. Why you first decide to invest into this company? If you cannot hold on to your conviction of why you invest in the company, don't buy in the first place because it will just make you not happy. Second of all, don't be click happy.、Uh, don't have the finger to buy and sell、uh, too quickly. That's not a good habit to have as an investor. You need to. Have the patience and emotional control to make sure you don't sell too quickly. Have the dedication and conviction to hold on to your companies as as long as you need to.、Uh, think about maybe dollar cost averaging into your portfolio, since it might be impossible for you to,、um, or you, most likely impossible for you to time the market when to buy and sell consistently over a long period of time. So just you know. Dollar cost averaging and dollar cost averaging it just pretty much means、uh, every time maybe if you get paid and you have a job, just put two hundred three hundred dollars into your portfolio and then buy the same stock、um, over and over and then in the long run it should help you generate a lot of money. And you now obviously understand what is the your risk to return、uh, reward ratio. Have a proper asset allocation, but it depends on yourself if you want a more diversified. Or a more concentrated portfolio. Now you also have to understand what type of investor are you.、Uh, you will know when you don't feel comfortable. That means it's not for you. So, for example, at one point I was trying option trading, as I mentioned before.、Um, that's not really investment, but I was actually really sick and really tired of it. Even though I was greedy, but I was 
not feeling comfortable, I have to check every single moment. Um, so that, don't do that. Don't do that if you want to be an investor. So last thing you want to think about if you want to be an investor is, are you going to be more of an active or passive uh, investor? An active investor, is, as you know, as the word describe it, you are more actively involved in the market. Passive is essentially you're just letting it your portfolio ride and whatever you buy you hope in the long term it makes a lot of money so now i, I mentioned both um as a, me as a trader and me as an investor at the current moment i have a relatively small balance um so which i only really only have two paths i can choose a either i can buy etfs with small portion of stocks uh, or read to get the diversification I want right away and my returns are more or less what the market is or I can buy my own individual stocks that I think are more undervalued and overlooked at the moment which one do you think I pick over overall if you if you guess that I picked the latter path where I buy my own individual stocks that I think are undervalued or overlooked at the moment you are correct because at the current moment I when I look at how high the stock price is I for myself I don't feel very comfortable buying uh, ETFs or index funds I guess you can say because there are too many new highs at the moment and I feel very uncomfortable entering as such a high stock price in pretty much in a very long time if I look at the seller PE ratio it is pretty much at like 37 point something and historically the average only 16 point something so I feel very uncomfortable buying any sort of ETFs or um, index funds that represent the long term of course um, to you know hopefully generate return I could still generate return but I chose the individual stocks that I that got crushed during the COVID and I think that they will be able to survive and also recover in the long run so right now I choose to have a portfolio where it's 40% into Canadian REITs uh, I bought most of them or pretty much no, 90% of them during the pandemic because REITs got a stock price got affected the most they pretty much went on sale for half price and most of them pay a pretty decent dividend yield which is around six percent so uh, right now I have uh, Rio Ken and HR REIT and both of them has already uh, in a year time generate uh, overall a 40 percent dividend uh, capital gains and around 6% dividend yields. So in a year time, I make 46% on these Canadian REITs, which if you look at the last year Canadian return, it's definitely less than 46%. So I was pretty glad to invest into 40% into Canadian REITs. The next uh, type I invest into is I invest 30% of my portfolio into renewable energy and oil, and all of them pay pretty decent dividend yields with a very reasonable growth rate too. Um, some of the renewable energy and oil stocks I invest into are Enbridge, which I think all of you know, uh, AQN, Aquanquin, Power, pretty, pretty well known too, Brookfield Renewable Energy, which is also very diversified uh, renewable energy company, and lastly, uh, Polaris. Uh, Polaris, yeah, Polaris is a PIF. It's a Canadian 
the renewable energy company, but they mostly do um, hydrothermal and some sort of other type of renewable energy in uh, Latin America. So that's a smaller renewable energy company, but it has generated a pretty good, good return for myself for me in the previous uh, year already. And the rest of the money I mostly invest into growth stocks with good potential uh, growth. So far, it hasn't exactly generated uh, any sort of great return for me at the moment. But in the long run, I think they will do well because I'm an investor right now. I'm trying to invest in for the long term, and the growth stocks that I'm investing into right now are still in the building stage where they're starting to try to build up their company. So I'm giving them time to build a company and see see it through and then I'll decide if, should I buy and sell the company or not. But in the future when I have a bit more, I have a bit more money, I want to have a bit more diversified portfolio with uh, more of an allocation of 20% into Canada, 25% in US, 25% into emerging market. 20% into REITs, 5% I just hold it as cash, and 5% into pre-IPO companies. So, and of course, uh, for I am more of a mixed investor, so I'm planning to run a portfolio where half of them are in growth, and the other half are more with value stocks with decent dividend yield. So in conclusion, or overall, let's summarize what what was the difference between traders and investors? So traders, they tend to focus on the technical analysis of, of security. So you only really care about the short-term um, time horizon of the company. They rarely focus on the financial health of the company and or care really about the uh, what is happening with the company. They just care about what is the setup for the company stocks and just to buy and sell as quickly as possible to make a profit. Uh, and, and it's a lot harder than actually it sounds to do than, than I thought, sadly. Um, and, and on the other hand, for investors, they more focus on the fundamental analysis where they focus more on the long-term horizon. Uh, depending on if you're more of a value or a growth investor, you might be focusing on different approach. As uh, value investors, they focus more on the quantitative approach and growth investors might be focused more in, uh, on the qualitative approach. And most investors, of course, they have to have a proper asset allocation and depending on yourself, a diversified or a concentrated portfolio. That's up to you. And we're going to obviously talk to you more. I'm going to talk to you more about that in the future. And it can be a lot easier to do nowadays because of something called ETFs or index funds that helps you diversify your portfolio and also uh, stay invested in the long run. And another key thing that you might not have, uh, think about too much is as an investor, time is your friend, while time is an enemy for most traders. Uh, thank you for joining me today. And next episode, we are, going to talk, we are going to talk about what type of traders are out there. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Money Talks for Beginners. My name is Frank Hill. I'm Money Nerd. Uh, if you are interested uh, or if you want to hear more content about Money Talks for Beginners, please consider joining the Instagram for Money Talks for Beginners. Thank you and have a nice day. Bye.